we have a responsibility to make sure that we we get to some kind of of sort of decent some basic level of decency and equity in this country you have this winner take all uh economy that's just speeding up and covid speeding it up um uh, and you're someone who sees the future but you know still has the perspective to know it's like look like this is going to be great for some people and like not great for others it'd be awesome if someone was actually trying to figure out like how to account for the the latter part of this equation for me this is not even an issue of decency or morality though it it could be and it is in part but for me i still take it back to the selfish capitalist reason we should want it which is if this system works and we ensure that basic level of decency and opportunity for everyone we will get better stuff it means I will get better founders to invest in. I will get a broader range of founders to invest in who will build a greater range of companies to employ more people, to build more dope you, things. You could frame it as enlightened self-interest as much yeah. as altruism. Man, it is hard, Andrew. How, like, what keeps you going, man? How do oh, uh, humanity well, first? Thank you. Far, far, <laughs> far, far from where we're at as a country right now. Uh, how do I keep going, Alexis? It's a little bit like you, and you've been at this for longer than I have, in that you've been someone who can make a difference in the world for a number of years. And when you can make that kind of difference, it's almost impossible not to, uh, try you know what i mean uh you know i mean you've been a famous entrepreneur and public figure uh for longer than i have i'm kind of newly minted that way i mean i was a guy before this <laughs> i mean you and i knew each other from yeah. uh, the entrepreneur zone uh you and i met in new orleans among other places um but uh so for me right now especially in this time of covid you feel like there's so many people hurting and if you can help then you got to do everything you can uh, and then there is this entire election, and it, it's been kind of mind-boggling for me that uh, I may be able to help in that uh, race too. So I, I've been doing what I can. I campaigned for Joe and Kamala last weekend in um, Philadelphia, and uh, looks like they may have me heading out again on the trail. Uh, so you know, I mean, yeah, it's well, it's just like. I've told my team, and I don't know if, if the Biden team knows this, but I've, I've told my team to essentially say yes to anything they want us to do. <laughs> so, so it's like, look, if they need help, like I'm, I'm into it. Um, so I, I'm someone, and I think you and I have this in common, Alexis, where action makes me feel better. You know, it's like it's so uh, hard to feel good about things unless you're doing something about it. In my experience, so as long as I'm active, then it's good for my energy level and mental health. Is there gonna be another run what's the i hope we have not seen the end of uh politics and andrew yang uh, i i will tell you what is in my heart and gut um and i've been saying to folks so it's not bullshit uh my goal is just to try and move us forward as quickly as possible and solve the biggest problems as quickly as possible so if that's as part of an administration great if that's running again great uh, I will say that there's nothing stopping me from running again in the sense that 
it would probably be more fun and easier next time. <laughs> so uh, at that level, and I want to give you a shout out, Alexis, personally, because you were one of the people that actually got behind my campaign uh, before it was a mainstream thing to do. And when you made your move to express your support for me, um, you were one of a, a fairly small handful of prominent figures who'd done so at that point. So, uh, you know, I just want to express my personal gratitude to you and appreciation for how you really do see things coming. Yeah, well, of course. And look, I... I think what I saw was I saw a really good organic kind of grassroots support. I spend way too much time paying attention to like the internet zeitgeist. That's been my whole life, right? Front row seat to Reddit for the last 15 years and then everything else. So, and, and to the extent that it helps my job now as a, an investor, like I pay a lot of attention to, to things and. I think that's become a good, a, a strong muscle of mine that I've just spent a lot of time exercising. And then what I saw was also a message that admittedly I also connected with a lot. So I was probably putting some of my own bias in there of just wanting to see it out in the world. And, and in particular, I mean, you brought universal basic income to a much larger audience, to a national stage that it's deserved to to have for a long time. I think there's been there's been a lot of folks in the tech world like myself who have tried to talk about it in the context of like, hey, we need to be prepared for this. Like we just don't have we we the the automation revolution that's happening. Um and the book that tipped me off to this were those two MIT professors, the um robotic age, uh, the age of, hold on. Uh, the, the, um, the second machine age, second uh, Eric Brynjolfsson and, yes. uh, and, um, uh, his co-author and it's going to tell me just because uh, we should look it up because, uh, I, I'm we'll friendly with Eric Brynjolfsson and uh, Eric and Andrew is, McAfee, Andrew McAfee, you know, that's Andrew what I thought, McAfee. but I thought, ah, McAfee, that maybe I'm just con yeah. confusing that name. <laughs> and so, yeah, the second machine age really crystallized it for me. I was asked, I was keynoting some conference where I was interviewing them and I read the book as prep for it and was just like, oh my God, wow. Yeah, like this real, I mean, I I take it for granted because we live in a little bubble of tech where all of these trends are happening. Like we work with the founders who are building the AI systems to create automated self-checkout so that you can just walk into a store, grab the Coca-Cola and walk out and get charged. And that's we take it for granted that it's happening because we've worked with the founders for the last few years and like, of course it's happening. But then when you multiply that out to the effect it has on the economy, when a bunch of work in say retail, which is a huge employer, um, gets automated and it is, you know, a better user experience. It's not just a cost saving measure. Um, what do you do? How do you prepare for that? And how do you get a population, not just ready, um, but also ensure that they have a baseline decent living. And, and that's the part where I just, I'm, I'm grateful you, you brought it to national attention going forward. We've got so much more work to do. The, the K-shaped recovery. I, I mean, I like, I live it, I see it, right. I'm having one of the most productive years of my career because I'm an investor in technology. I, I know there are people in my family who are being crushed by what's happening because they're on the other side of that K-shaped recovery. Wow. And that is 
not sustainable. It's not sustainable at all. And we need real solutions to help make sure that it doesn't lead to, to further crisis. Cause I, look, I love the free markets. I love capitalism. Um, we're at a place now where, you know, technology, it's so cliche to say technology disrupts everything, but, but COVID has accelerated the adoption of technology that would have taken years. It's, it's happened in months. And if you look at e-commerce, if you look at then the sort of flip side of brick and mortar retail, that's just one story of many. And, uh, and I know this is not the last time we're going to hear about Andrew Yang and UBI and, and I hope it actually comes to pass in some form. I don't look, I, I don't even know. I can't even say unequivocally, this is the right answer. Cause I don't, we've not really seen tests on this scale. We don't really know, but we need, we need some kind of pragmatic testable solutions that get implemented. We know so someone hard. should be throwing down Someone's for some multi-billion dollar tests. <laughs> like we really need to get after it. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. I'd love to unpack what you just expressed correctly about the retail experience, about self-checkout uh, and, and the rest of it. I think we all dream about going into a store, just grabbing the stuff we want and then walking out and having it magically uh, scanned for us and debited. How many of us have not had that thought when you're behind some people in line? Let's say it's like an airport store and you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a hurry here. And like, they're you know, pennies out. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're or, or, each one. Yeah. So, so, so the person in front of you would be uh, taking their sweet time or there right now, another variant of this is there is a self-checkout, but you're like, uh, like I, I, you know, it takes me, I'll just say for myself, it takes me an extra number of seconds to identify the barcode uh, and then sit there. And sometimes I'm an idiot just going like, <laughs> like swiping it back and forth and waiting. Trying to get some support. Oh yeah, been there. Yeah. So we've all been there. So you dream about a world where it's like, look, I just take the thing, you know, like that you understand based upon the um, RFID chip or the uh, barcode that I moved um, that this just happened and then you know who I am because I, I scanned a credit card on the way in 
and it just gets magically debited. So, so that's a customer experience that we can all get behind, I think. Um, and I know you've been investing in companies that actually are helping to make that possible. Um, for and it, it sounds like due to the pandemic, interest has only gone up uh, in these Massively. systems. Yeah, and you know, standard cognition is the one example that comes to mind. Where yeah, we backed it. They're going head to head with Amazon against Amazon's version of this product, Amazon Go. And they're basically the ones, standard is the company arming uh, every other retailer to get this technology to compete with Amazon Go stores, essentially. And and yeah, it means, you know, in a post-COVID world, it means fewer humans in a store. Um, so, so more safety, basically, you know, fewer people sort of, you know, touching your things or, you know, interacting closely with you. Um, but it also is not just a great user experience. It also means that for the the on the retail side, the focus of the employee in the future of retail is the kind of work that is more human. And and so it's like I could pick on pick on your favorite big box home improvement store. And and there's that great Ron Swanson clip where he walks in and the guy's like, hey, how can I help you? And Ron's like, I know more than you. <laughs> and he just walks by him, right? Because, you know, the I think in the ideal scenario, our retail experiences, they still involve humans in the right places, in the ways that humans excel at, where you want empathy, where you want creativity. My first job was in retail at a Comp USA. Rest in peace, Comp USA. And I was 15 years old trying to convince people or basically help people buy the right computer or the right mouse or the right whatever 15 year old alexis would have been very helpful when you're trying to pick out that mouse being like yes i think you want the optical the tracker (laughs) well i i was i was a bit of a gamer um so i could give good mouse recommendations but i also um (laughs) i think part of the reason i was fairly successful the job i mean CompuSA went bankrupt but that's not my fault um was because I could have a good relationship with a customer quickly. They trusted me and I could talk to them like a human about things that were a mouse may not seem complex, but to a lot of people who were coming into a comp USA, they felt very insecure about what they were about to buy. And so there was a humanity in the job that was really important. And I don't think it goes away for a lot of things for things where I don't need like I don't need Alexis to be like, let me tell you about this sparkling water. Like, I, I don't need Alexis for that. I just need to walk in and get my sparkling water and leave. Um, but but we're going to see that shift happen. And it is going to still mean a lot of people that were normally doing those jobs are not, right? It, it will still employ people. It'll just be a much smaller number of them. And they'll just do much more human work when the environment sort of calls for it, when the type of retail work calls for it. But what do we do? Because this technology is inevitable. And, and I hope, aside from a few Luddites, no one is going to say ban the technology, right? Well, especially not now in the time of COVID, because you could even argue it from just like a public health standpoint and a practicality and right. a consumer enjoyment standpoint. Like if I walk in and don't have to interact with a soul, I'm not necessarily mad at that in, in, in no, this environment. I just want my sparkling water and I want to leave. And, and you're right. So then what is so important is that from, I think the, the private sector has a role to be looking for 
more businesses, at least as an investor, to be looking for more businesses that are still using technology, still software-based or technology-based businesses, but that are scaling employment for empathetic or human-type work. Um, and there's a bunch of new ones that I hope will be created. We backed a company called Papa that's doing very well. That's it's grandkids on demand, <laughs> which sounds silly, but with 10,000 boomers retiring every day, and, and definitely not anywhere close to 10,000 like home health workers starting jobs every day. There's a yes. huge need for empathetic people who can spend an hour at a time with the elderly doing everything from like helping them with their Netflix to just talking to them, right? Loneliness is actually an epidemic and has health consequences. And so health plans are more motivated than ever to bring on these Papa Pals, to take time to be with their patients, to be with their members, because it improves their health outcomes, because it actually helps bring more sort of data and feedback into the whole conversation, because they actually can say like, oh, you need to go to the doctor? Like, let me let me drive you to the doctor. Let me go help you pick up your medicine. Like that, that solves a problem that we're not, I personally don't think we're ever gonna have empathetic, like truly empathetic robots, um, Elon, begs to differ on that one. But for the time being, there are still these jobs that are the domain of humans and should always be uh, that are very we're, we're gonna have we have to delve into this, Alexis, humanity as medicine, humanity as mm -hmm. elder care like that. that mm -hmm. That's staggeringly simple and profound and important at the same time. Uh, like I, I want to hear more. It's called Papa PAPA. -P yeah, PAPA -A. Um, and joinpapa.com is the website. Um, but what the CEO, so what Andrew realized was this didn't exist as a type of work because it's not, these are not medical professionals. These are not home healthcare aides who are doing, no. you know, right. drug administration and stuff. These are just empathetic, kind people. And they go through diligent screening process. A lot of them are actually sort of college age students who are in or learning medical professions. So if you are in nursing school, you want to make some good money on the side instead of, say, working that retail job at CompUSA, you're a Papa Pal because it's actually helping you develop the skills that are valuable for your career that only a human wow. can do. And it's work where you come home every day feeling amazing. Like I also I also worked at a Pizza Hut for a number of years as a cook and a waiter. Like if I could have been a Papa Pal instead of a Pizza Hut cook, I sorry, Pizza Hut, I would have taken that. 10 times over, like I didn't have to smell like pizza every day at the end of work. I could smell like lavender or whatever the these folks' homes smell like and and actually feel really good about the work I did and make make good money. I think, you know, his instinct, and it's only this company's only a couple of years old. It's made great progress so far, tracking very well. And I think it is only a matter of time where in the next five years, this will be a career option because the market will have properly valued this time and the expertise wow. of who are great at it, that you can make a living as a, you know, Papa pal, like this will be a profession and it will be something that like as a society will already value. Cause my God, we don't do enough to support our seniors. So yes. like it's an easy society is all very quick to be like, that's a good idea. And, and then once the dollars follow that, where you know, off, far too often we have a lot of these jobs where everyone agrees it's a great idea and really important, but the dollars aren't there. He's going to make the dollars get there, and an entirely new class of people who you know are growing up and 
we could talk about higher education. Maybe they decide that higher ed, you know, and, and the costs of incurring that, assuming that doesn't change, the debt that they would take on isn't worth it. And really what they want to do is just help people and help the elderly. And this is a path to actually make a great living. Awesome. Everyone knows that there that we have an aging population and like you said, like 10,000 people a day. Um, and um, in, in some idyllic vision that uh, many of these older Americans are in pleasant community retirement facilities and homes and they have grandkids that visit them on the regular and all this stuff. But now in COVID, uh, even if you had grandkids who wanted to visit you, they're not going to. Uh, so then the need for companionship um, and help and, uh, you know, human company and contact uh, agree that it has a very um, crucial health benefit. So even on that level, you'd be like, well, it's probably going to help maintain this person's um, like functionality for extra X number of years. So under the PAPA model, who is paying? So you can do direct. So I like you or I could sign up and just do sort of the direct to consumer. It's like, hey, come come visit my grandpa every week. And it's just build no problem. Um, but where the real growth is, is actually from health plans. So health plans, and these are folks who are very, very motivated to keep their patients well, right? And And it turns out for them, it's invaluable because the more of this companionship they can create, the more of this assistance they create, the healthier the outcomes are, right? We're, we're only starting to scratch the surface on loneliness as an epidemic, but the, the papers are getting published. There's a real health cost. There's a loneliness isolation. epidemic. Yeah, for sure. and we're seeing it. I think now we all got a dose of it, right? During COVID and the lockdowns, yeah. there are a lot of folks who are re really way more empathetic with the idea of an isolated senior than they've ever been, myself included, right? So, and so it sounds like the, the Papa Pal is meant to visit them in person. Um, so is there uh, a ratio where it's like 80% digital, like, uh, you know, one visit a week? Like, what, what does that activity set look like? So this is an example every, okay, if you ever, a good question to ask every company next year, and venture investors are already asking this question, which is how did COVID affect your business? And what was the, like the, there's going to be a very, just like that K-shaped recovery in the economy broadly, there are, and really it's at the extremes. Businesses either had five years of what was going to be steady growth and adoption compressed into five months of rapid growth or the opposite. Papa ended up being one of the former. They had virtual companionship as a small part of their business starting out. And COVID only accelerated the adoption. So now they're, they're majority virtual. So it started out a couple of years ago, building the software so that like as a Papa Pal, I could open my phone, have my appointment scheduled, hit a button and like, you know, I'd, I'd see on the map where I'd drive to go visit their home. And, and it would, that was a very, you know, physical in-person setup. But COVID accelerated the adoption of virtual companionship. And so that is the dominant one now. And, you know, for a generation wow. of boomers in particular, they're all, everyone's armed with a smartphone now. Um, you know, the last 10 years in particular have brought adoption to a level where, yeah, you know, a lot of folks are very comfortable with Zoom and FaceTime that we never would have expected um, a lot faster. Um, thanks to the sort of necessity of this and, and, and Papa has been a great beneficiary of it. And yeah, it turns out even the virtual companionship has the same outcomes, uh, for patients, um, wow. which is something like, 
I, this is something I can't, and this is another one where I think I take for granted having founded Reddit, but I can't unsee how real relationships are, even when they are digital, even when they are total strangers, even when you don't even know what the person looks like, because I've seen that happen for 15 years on a platform where all you know is a username and the text they write. So if that exists and it's very strong, and in some cases stronger, I mean, there are, there are people on the internet who don't know anything about Fluffy Bunny 16 other than that's their username. And yet they have a closer relationship with them than the people they see at the office or normally would see at the office every day. Well, I hope it's been established that you can build very, very strong relationships uh, online, digitally, uh, in in different ways. I mean, heck, there's that movie, uh, Her, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, like falling in love with his phone, which I did not find to be that implausible. And and so so to use uh, the, the consumer-facing um, model as an example, let's say that I'm a very busy parent. Um, I'll use myself, screw it, personally. So like, let's say I'm a very busy parent. I've got parents who are aging. I can just sign up. Uh, I can be like, hey, great news. Uh, I've got some Papa Pal like, uh, for you. And then you can, like pick, pick them up. So you can get it as like a gift for your aging relatives. And then they would just have someone who could uh, minister to their um, tech questions. And because I, I will say as a an adult, um, I get tech questions randomly from my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a text I have to respond to from my stepmom about which MacBook she should buy. And yeah, no, I, and it's, it's tough too. Cause like, I want to be, I want to be a good kid, but I'm also like, just Google it. You don't need to ask me. This, <laughs> yeah, the, this, the that's a job question. for Papa Pal. <laughs> it's time for tech enabled. <laughs> Real talk. Papa Pal unit to get in there. That help, help, help us Papa Pal. That like that. And, and, you know, another interesting thing that I wouldn't have expected, I gave I gave Andrew a hard time because he had a 1-800 number on his website back. He was just starting out and we were leading that round. And I was like, really, a 1-800 number? And he's like, you don't understand. Like, this is the way to do it. Yeah, you can sign up through the website, but you put the 1-800 number, trust me, because it's going to help so much with with um, onboarding. And he's been absolutely right. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to schedule the 1-800, uh, the Papa Pal, you could do it online or download the app, or you could also just call a 1-800 number because for a lot of their customers, that's the most comfortable way to do it. And it's that, that little thing, like my, my naivete slash arrogance in that moment of like, really a 1-800 number. That is why I love entrepreneurship because the founder, the CEO, he knew he had to be humble enough to go to where his users were or to build something that people actually wanted. And, you know, the founders who are successful are the ones who can break out of their own bias and actually empathize. And like, so in that moment, as an investor, I was clearly not empathizing well, but, but that's one of the things that is, um, I think so needed right now because we have so many big problems to solve, so many. And the private sector can't do all of it. Let me also say, I don't think the private sector can do all of it, but there are areas where we need entire industries to to be invented. We need yeah, a yeah. career, like being a Papa Pal to be invented. And, and there's countless more because we need alternatives for those jobs that are gonna get largely automated. And, and I'm, I, I know this is not the entire solution, but it's a big part of it.
And, and that's, that's really the impetus behind why I do what I do now. Cause I need to help as many of those things get started as possible. To me, the ideal vision, Alexis, is that uh, the government helps create incentives for the creation of these jobs and industries. You know what I mean? Because like right now you look at it and you can find uh, an opportunity like Papa Pal where there there's enough money currently heading into it where you can actually build a business around it. Uh, but there are other things where you look and say, ooh, that should exist. Um, but there aren't the monetary incentives in place right now. Uh, and th- this is where a lot of the no um sustainability efforts go it's like well we all can see that we should be investing in uh sustainable energy uh, products but sometimes the money's not there because hey guess what fossil fuel is really cheap right now and the rest of it and so like the ideal situations the government actually helps create the incentives so that people like you can invest in the innovators and entrepreneurs who want to try and build these things um even papa pal when i think about it why i was pressing on the the uh, business model and the revenues, where to me, the social need for Papa Pals uh, is sky high. And then the question is whether uh, the folks that need a Papa Pal have a health health plan provider that's smart enough to buy it, have relatives that are smart enough to buy it and have the resources to do so. Uh, you know, you can imagine a world where the government was like, you know what? <laughs> like, I'm not saying Papa Pals the way, but like, we're going to have like, uh, you know, some stipend for anti-loneliness measures and you can do whatever you want with them. You can, you know, talk to friends, family, you can like use a subscription service like, like this. I mean, there, there's a world where we can actually start throwing uh, higher levels of resources at some of these problems. But I couldn't agree with you more that it's innovators and uh, entrepreneurs that hopefully will uh, will give rise to the jobs we need. We have a responsibility to make sure that although the playing field will never be fully level, that we do the things necessary to ensure like we, we get to some kind of, of sort of decent, some basic level of decency and equity in this country. And I know it's such a, God, it's such a polarizing thing right now. Um, and I just, I hope we can get back to some good conversation and some actual progress. Um, because I, the part that I worry about, and you're seeing there's a microcosm of this in San Francisco right now. And I, I have not lived in San Francisco in a very long time. Um, but, you know, there is there there are people who are going to be angry about this technology, about this innovation. And I think there are plenty of reasons to come at the tech industry. There are like absolutely criticism is an important, healthy part of democracy in our society. Like that's that's great. We need that discourse. Um, but it needs to be placed appropriately and the solutions we, that come out of it need to be effective at actually solving the real problems. Um, because I, I worry, I worry so much about the folks who are getting left behind and how that will just lead to more resentment and ultimately more desperation. And, and I just, I, we do that. It is not sustainable as a society. It just isn't. And I'd no. and I would be a hypocrite. That's the other thing that I wish I I know these stories exist because I talk to other founders about it pretty often. But I wish we did a better job too acknowledging all the things that helped a lot of us successful 
especially business people, get to where we were. And and there were things. I mean, my my I remember my parents telling me stories about government cheese, and I was like, "What's government cheese?" And and so there have been different doors opened, even for people like me along the way, where opportunities were given. My mom wasn't documented for three years, and and my dad married her. She overstayed her au pair visa, which is incidentally where most of these most undocumented people come from overstaying their visas. Not a wall. Wall wouldn't have kept my mother out. All right. It, it's overstaying visas. And so, you know, she's undocumented for a few years and thank God ICE didn't round her up. But that, I, I, I have to acknowledge the opportunities that I got and the chances I got and that my family got and, and know that the extreme technology is amazing at, at accelerating things and creating massive growth, but that there, there's two sides to it. And I think the conversations that started as interesting intellectual discourse, like five, 10 years ago around automation, these books we're talking about that you brought to the masses with the campaign need to be at the forefront and not, not like in five years or in 10 years, but like next year, because the, we just got a bump, uh, a massive one because of COVID. And so we're not like we're, and, and, Again, there's lots of good that will come with that, but but also a cost if we're not prepared as a society for it. And so it's made it even more urgent uh, in my eyes uh, for us to start talking about and having intelligent conversations about because, man, there's not a lot of that in D.C. No, it's not great. Um, but you hit the nail on the head, Alexis, where uh, the folks who are uh, angry and don't trust that government or are uh, society is going to actually look out for them and solve their problems in a meaningful way. Um, they're being proven right all the time. You know what I mean? There's looking around. Uh, and and the thing that scares me is that there are so many folks who um, are in politics that we, we essentially are telling different stories. Um, and the storytelling generally is losing its effect because people are just checking out more and more as they they just say look you're full of shit you're on tv like you know fuck you i mean that that's like the the general thing and i hear that and i'd be like yeah that makes sense you know like <laughs> you're actually like from your vantage point that's actually a perfectly rational uh way to go uh and so that's like the race we're against in my opinion um that you have this winner take all uh, economy that's just speeding up and COVID speeding it up. Um, uh, and, and the folks, uh, one of the reasons why I think you, I mean, you're, you're one of a kind on many, many dimensions, but, um, you're someone who sees the future, but, you know, still has the perspective to know it's like, look, like this is going to be great for some people and like not great for others. It'd be awesome if someone was actually trying to figure out like how to account for the the latter part of this equation. Uh, you know, I'm not a big enough of like some kind of ideologue or asshole to think that the second half of the equation doesn't exist and there aren't human beings at the other end of it. And Andrew, this isn't just this isn't just about the the like the societal thing or like the right. And I, I don't even make this for me. This is not even an issue of decency or morality, though it it could be. And it is in part, but for me, I still take it back to the selfish capitalist reason we should want it, which is if this system works and we ensure that basic level of decency and opportunity for everyone, we will get better stuff. 
it means I will get better founders to invest in. I will get a broader range of founders to invest in who will build a greater range of companies to employ more people, to build more dope you, things. You could frame it as enlightened self-interest as much yeah. as altruism. Yeah. Like that. And, and I, and I, that's, it's so, ah, oh, it's so frustrating to me to see it get so distorted. Um, because I, I, I can't have, ha there's no way I could have this job and not think that way because I, before doing right, I started my new venture fund seven, seven, six, before that was initialized before that I was a partner at Y Combinator. So I have over a decade met thousands, tens of thousands, I don't know, of founders along their journey in their earliest days. And it has only reinforced that quote, uh, I'm going to butcher the cliche about how opportunity is not universal, but talent is, what is it? Talent is world universal, but opportunity isn't. Uh, uh, like a I'm going to Google is, it. Talent yeah, is, Google it because I'm going to. Um, so opportunity is not. Too. Yeah, talent is universal, but opportunity is not. There we go. Kennedy Odede apparently said that. Or no, Rye Barcode. That's what's great. On the internet, there's a million people who actually came up with quotes. So someone said that and it's a good quote but it's i i i am so this whole career as an entrepreneur and an investor in early stage entrepreneurs has just reinforced that belief for me and so i can't not believe that or want that for this country because i mean look i i think a lot of folks are looking across the uh, pacific ocean for the first time a lot more critically at china and realizing I mean, I think, I think a lot of folks, even I would say myself included, slept on a lot of their ascent. And I mean, there's just technologically a lot at stake here. Um, and, 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 and then the implications of all of that. Um, and I want us to win, frankly, right? <laughs> Me too. I, I want us to win. And yeah. we are. I mean, we're still the, the the areas in which we are lagging behind technologically are are shocking, and like, and some of it is more, I don't know. There, some of it's more jarring than others, right? Seeing homeless people in China get given money via a QR code, and then like there are still there's probably half half the cafes in America I can't pay via uh, NFC. Nope. Right, like we're still using I mean, pennies, bro. We can't even get rid yeah. of the penny, <laughs> but much, much less get rid of cash. Ooh. I mean, in, in China, a lot of places don't even take cash. They're like, "What's this yeah. thing?" And and so here is all this fintech infrastructure. That's one specific example. But like at the end of the day, um, we need to win. And I, I well, it, it's it's hard to win if you're all turning against each other and having increasingly. Uh, you know, dysfunctional conversations and your, your government uh, is way, way behind the curve and the rest of it. I mean, it's hard to win if, if your public sector is like a giant anchor. Holding us back, man. And, and that's, and, and so I hope, well, I hope the dialogue changes. We'll see. We'll see in a few weeks. I made that decision to step down from the Reddit board and protest back in June after George Floyd. And, you know, I, your replacement I really, was it. indeed a, a person of color, uh, you know, just yeah. as you, you'd requested. Um, so and, and I was, uh, yeah. I was thrilled to see that, that Reddit, 
passed um, or, or started a, adopting a bunch of um, anti-hate policies and enforcing them. And so I, I was relieved to see all of that happen. Um, but I really meant it when I said that I was thinking about a future conversation with my daughter about the work that I did. And I, I really want, from that point, I wanted to start making sure that I was making, I was running things through that lens. And like, I'm a very competitive person by nature. I have it's like a, a futurist. You're like talking to future Alexis, being yeah, like, "Hey, Alexis what the heck? Yeah. What the heck do you do?" Yeah. <laughs> and, I, yeah. well, and I and look, and I I carry an extra responsibility, right? I have a black daughter whose mother is a superhero, and who for the rest of like uh, Olympia will have people her entire life telling her what an impact her mother made on their lives. Total strangers, right? Will say like, "Oh my God, your mother gave me the confidence to do this." Your mother, like. I, I will. Serena Serena's a superhero. We, yeah, that, that's a true statement. <laughs> it is incredibly liberating because to have a partner who's achieved all that and know that just I, like there's literally nothing I could do. I could build a hundred Amazons and I'll it still won't have the impact that that little girl from Compton had with everything she's achieved and will continue to achieve. It just it won't. And that's that is a liberating thing. It then makes me realize when I have that conversation with my daughter, I really need to bring my A game and and have a very, very strong story about what I do, how I made my money and and the things that I really care about. The things because I love I've I've had the greatest gift of loving the work that I've done every single day since college. And it is it really is. I mean, the pizza job didn't love it, uh, but but this I've loved it. And so. George Floyd's murder and then the conversations around that and after that really primed me to think like, okay, I need to run everything through this filter. And so um, I really see it as a responsibility to her uh, to make sure that I'm putting all of my efforts, my expertise, my network, the things that I have um, towards building a better future for her and everyone else um and you really are and so like that the is... nexus of, you're like the nexus of so many uh, of our national um trends and uh struggles alexis in you in like a human being it's fascinating <laughs> it's i've i've had a lot of front row seats to a lot of stuff and and i do think being in an interracial marriage has been a huge asset um for lots of reasons not the least of which is um I am able to get perspective every day that I wouldn't normally get. Um, and, and it's, I think it helps me be a better investor. I think it helps me be a better business person for sure. And, and I still take away from all these experiences that the next 10, 15 years, I, I really need to spend trying to help build as many meaningful companies as possible and even rethink the ways that we do venture in order to make sure that we're benefiting from the talents of as many people as possible. And that's beautiful I, I, and necessary. Like, I'll give you the, the little, like a small example that we announced yesterday because, um, so Caitlin Holloway, who was our, she was the head of people and culture who came in not long after I came back to Reddit and she took a huge chance on us, was a big part of that whole turnaround and growing the org from like 50 to 750. She came over with me to initialize and she's just come over now to 776. And, um, her people and culture expertise and that background as an investor is is valuable for for lots of ways, not just because more founders are thinking about this than ever, um, because they realize if you get this right early, 
the ROI is massive. Massive uh, competitive. Tension is edge. higher. Yeah. Uh, recruiting is much easier and, and, and cheaper. And it's just uh, the company just works better. It's a higher functioning unit. Um, and one of the things I challenged her with was like, what are the things that we can do? Who are the best firms at supporting early stage founders as people? Because that's, you know, an early stage company might be just be two entrepreneurs, three tops, and, and they're everything, right? They're trying to keep their burn rate low and they're the entire business because they do everything. And, and, you know, we noticed Felicis, uh, another venture firm has this great program they launched last year, I think it was, where they give 1% of donated capital to, or make it available. They pay in at 1% of all they invest um, to be available for mental health for founders. So if a founder oh, wow. wants therapy, very, very helpful. Felicis pays the bill. And I'm like, right? And, and I'm thinking about this and I'm like, God, this is genius. Why doesn't everyone do this? And I'm like, okay, Caitlin, we need to do better. So... So she announced we're doing a 2% program. Imagine that society-wide. Imagine right? if, if 1% of US GDP went to mental health resources. Yeah. Uh, let me do some math on that. That would be $220 billion of uh, mental health resources available to us. Mm. Uh, yeah, that I'm, I think that would be enormously helpful. And, and, we're, <laughs> and, and it's, a, I mean, it's, it's such a massive crisis and need right now. I mean, like we're, we're all losing our minds and that's among like the highly functioning of us. I mean, right. like there, there are folks that unfortunately are disintegrating every day in this environment. Yeah. And imagine if you're worrying about the rent bill and everything else. And so yes. I, want, I want us to set this bar because I realize we're among the most fortunate. So let's set this bar. Let's show that it's a great return on investment. And, and she had the genius insight and this was something she built at Reddit. It's what? I just it's, love it so much. Everyone should do it. Set this industry it standard it for better. everybody. But yeah, continue. So, so she 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 built this at Reddit too, where um, you could use dollars not just for for say therapy, uh, but also for personal development. And so, for one employee, it was actually surfing lessons. What he sure. needed to avoid burnout was surfing lessons. God bless. That's awesome. So exposure so, to nature been therapeutic effect. Yeah. And so, so let's trust people. Look, this is kind of like a UBI thing. Let's trust people to use those dollars responsibly for what they say is self care. And yeah, if they, you know, if they want to spend uh, five grand on Cheetos, you know, we'll pull them aside and be like, I don't. That's not so good. Discount, but I guarantee oh, you that surfer is um, more mentally healthy than the rest yes, of us now. <laughs> sure. And and then let's do this in in public. So like every year, publish a sort of audit of how people are using those dollars. Not not disclosing names, but you know, talk about all those things, and then. Went a step further. There's another one percent, which is for family needs, and so that is dollars you can access if you need an emergency babysitter. If you're trying to move your in-laws in your home, we'll cover that. If you've got a sick family member you want to go see, we'll cover that. Incredible. Um, up, up to the cap. And you, you know and, the other thing I love about this, Alexis, is it actually throws real resources behind it because a lot of orgs would be like, "We care about your mental health. We care about your family." And then, and then this is like, doing it. "We're going to designate one percent of invested capital to yeah. these resources." It's like a totally different thing. And and I why well, I, I love hearing you say this, man, because I this one this one hits me personally because she she proposed this to me and I was like, "You have no idea how amazing this idea is." So, you know, early. And again, I, we talk about the ROI of this. This is, I want to, like this, we're doing this for capitalist reasons, okay? The, uh, I was in the first batch of Y Combinator, 2005, fresh out of college, you know, two months in, literally in the middle of the batch. Reddit is just starting to, we just launched it. It's starting to make a little traction. I get a call. Uh, my mom has been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. 
and we're in we're in Boston at the time. Uh, they're living in Baltimore, and yeah, obviously I fly home and and I start splitting my time. I start spending my weekends down in Baltimore. I fly the AirTran from Logan to BWI uh, for a number of weeks, and in that moment, and this is no disrespect to YC when YC was just getting started. Like there was everyone, it was very much a startup. They were figuring out it's 2005, but in that moment, if they had said to me, "Hey, look, Alexis, you know we have dollars set aside for this." Um, we know you're going through a lot. You're obviously very important to this company and thus very important to Y Combinator, but this is very important to you. And in order for you to be successful, you've got to be right. You've got to feel like you're in as good a place as you can be. So we'll cover those flights, right? I would have been spending the last 15 years, every time I got on stage, every time I got in, like that would be like, I mean, YC obviously didn't need the help, <laughs> but think of what uh, what an impact it would have made for a minimal investment. And so I can't help but look at it personally and think, let's have this as an opportunity because even if only a fraction of our founders take advantage of it, the ones who do for the rest of their lives will think differently about us as investors and will think differently about their expectations of other investors and, and move move this industry forward. And caring about someone as a person and an economic actor uh, is a is the best way to build trust uh, and mm. a long term relationship. You know, it's mm. like uh, I'm your manager actually clearly uh, cares about you on, on a personal level. It's like mm -hmm. an enormous deal. And so if your organization actually, frankly, like formalize it. So it's like, look, we care about your family. And again, it's not just us blowing smoke. <laughs> like We'll actually mm -hmm. put resources to work. The biggest resource that that they can allocate is your time. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if if you uh, have time that you need to dedicate to it, and they are cool with that, then that that's like the biggest sacrifice an org can make. Oh uh, yes, and and time, dude, Andrew, you've got kids. I'm, and I'm gonna have you on once we resurrect season two of Business Dad. We're gonna turn the tables. I'm a business dad. Um, sure thing. I qualify. Oh yes, and and that. That time math never really, it's funny. I, it's like before kids, after kids, and, and sorry to my wife, but it really, the math only started mattering on another level once kids entered the picture, at least for me, because it put a laser focus on, on time and wanting to, and I still fail at it, but wanting to be when I'm with her, like all in. And, and really trying to seize those opportunities and those moments and give them my all. Cause again, I, I love the work I do. It's re it's actually like, it is a great gift. Um, and then the curse of it is like, sometimes I want to keep doing it, um, when I shouldn't be and, and trying to find that balance is always a challenge, but I, I have a new kind of empathy now. And so, I mean, heck, I, I want someone who is a parent to, make sure we're the first call. If they're a founder and they happen to have kids, I want to make sure they're picking 776 first, not just because we have these dollars available, but because they know we empathize and and we care. And and that isn't it's not actually that generous. <laughs> like it's not it's just that the bar is so low and and so much of this industry is just still it's very antiquated very finance very like pe like it's just a different 
it's a very it, it has not adapted to the world we're living it in has today. Not adapted, yeah, it's true. And, and, and I agree with you that when you're a parent fruit. too, like, and if you're a founder who's a parent, like the the entire thing, uh, uh, all of a sudden the math stops working in in a way that it has worked at every point in your career up to that point. <laughs> so if you're an investor who understands that, uh, it can help them um, manage it and accommodate. Uh, you know, like the the very real demands. I, I think that would be also like a, a huge difference maker. I think someone like you becoming um, a dad's actually good for the industry, Alexis. You know what I mean? It's like we should almost ask everyone. <laughs> it's like, kids. oh, maybe it's like <laughs> have kids, and then maybe you'll understand what the heck is going on, like with 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 these folks. I agree. And well, it hasn't always worked out because there's some of my peers who have had kids and still don't seem to be too interested in the uh, society they're leading. Yeah, it's them. weird. Uh, that was so weird to me. Right, <laughs> like, right. Like I'm on the record saying I never would have run for president if not for um, our son being born. Now I can't believe this shit, Alexis. He's gonna be eight. Like that's nuts. But like the first couple of years of his existence were such like a stretching of the soul and an education for me, where I I thought I knew what was what and I did not know shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then then you look around and you look at like anyone who's like a, a parent, particularly a single parent, single mom, and like 90% of the parents, uh, single parents in this country are single moms. And you look at them and you'd be like, you are capable of doing things that uh, I uh, would not be able to do. Like you're, you know, you're a superhero. Uh, and then you look around and then you start realizing just how distorted our thinking is on so many of these things. Um, and that's what led me to run for president. It's like the need to humanize. Uh, Alexis, I came into this conversation hoping you would give us a glimpse of the future. And you gave us three big ones uh, already. One is the uh, de-clerking of many retail environments and sort of upskilling the folks that are there, but also like the seamlessness uh, of that experience that is not just going to be these fancy Amazon Go stores that they're prototyping, like it's going to be everywhere. Um, the Papa Pal, wh where we, we can essentially knight folks to look out for our loved ones or they can knight them themselves. Uh, and and I, I think there's like a, a really important mega trend there, which is essentially um, uh, a marketplace for empathy, uh, companionship, help, um, an antidote to loneliness. Uh, I think that stuff's going to be very, very important. And there are folks listening to this who are just like, that sounds super whack. I, it's here to stay. Like th this is not, you know, it's like you can, you can wish that we all were like back in another time in our lives where we all got together and, and bold and like, you know, and like uh, everyone's parents were like, like living in, um, you know, the, the, the same, you, you, you know what I mean? Like you can wish that, but time, like time is not um, heading in that direction. Uh, and then the third mega trend you you identified, which I love, uh, is this investment in mental health and family resources at an institutional level that if you were to do that, like that actually, and I'm going to say you're a very smart investor and it's like, it's good for, even if you just were to go in terms of capital efficiency and high functioning orgs, like this is a great investment. This is a win. You know, it's like, like you have like a, a more... Uh, balanced, less stressed out, uh, more functional founder, management team, workforce, et cetera, like, you know, it it, it pays. Um, so those are three enormous megatrends. Uh, also, you're championing uh, family, paid family leave. It, it completely also makes sense on every level. Um, so you, you delivered, man, three megatrends, uh, <laughs> which Great. was sort of... I'll let you down, Andrew. 
Yeah, which was sort of like what I had in mind was like, oh, I wonder if like, uh, because I knew you would because you're you're literally staring at the future all the time. Um, uh, and and one thing I love about you is like you've worked in the future, but it has not really changed your fundamental uh, humanity. Like the deeper you get into a space, the more um, natural it is to frankly uh, kind of adopt the values of that industry, town, uh, job, whatever it is, and kind of lose your essential humanity. And that's true uh, in DC. It's true in Hollywood. It's true on Wall Street. It's true on Silicon Va- in Silicon Valley, where you just like get the random person who's been in that environment. Um, a lot of times they kind of give off things where you're like, um, like, like this is almost like as if it was uh, scripted. Like, mm. you know, you're oh, like yeah. the scripted, <laughs> you're like the scripted DC bureaucrat. Right, right? Like the central casting. Yeah. yeah, there's so many yeah. like you've met them. I met them like and and you have defied that um, in a way that is is such an incredible praise. Thanks, Andrew. Example. Re- no, really, I, I, that is actually very, very that's like the highest praise I can think of. Coming yeah, from no, that's me. it really is. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only secret I can come up with has been and you, you touched on it, which is I actually just don't spend a lot of time in the tech community. I and wow. I've I've been a nomad for the last like decade. I mean, my working life really the last 10 years has been traveling before I met my wife. So like five years ago and earlier, I would travel usually between New York, LA, San Francisco, and then other random places almost throughout the year. And I was just always very comfortable doing that. And then, you know, start dating, get married to my wife, have a baby. I like seeing them. So I travel most of the year to make sure I'm never away for more than a couple of weeks. And it's actually been fun because now that everyone is in Zoom land, I'm kind of like Bane in Batman, where he's like, he's like, you, you merely adopted the Zoom lifestyle. I was born in it, molded by it. And like, I really feel <laughs> naturally, like I, I feel pretty comfortable being in Zoom for most of the day because I've just had to do that wow. for the last 10 years and I haven't had to this now I haven't had to travel as much, which has been actually kind of nice, but um, that has dipped me into so many different communities, so many different industries, so many. I'm I'm naturally intellectually curious person, such that I never drank enough of the Kool Aid. I mean, the the downside is I also feel more like an outsider in the Bay Area. I definitely don't have as strong of a network in the Bay Area, but. Um, I think being a generalist in that way and being more agnostic has has served me quite well. I think I think it helps helps me find a wider range of founders, invest in better companies, help them more, all that other good stuff. You'd have but, a completely different perspective, man, than than someone who's like been in that town, particularly that town the last number of years, because that town has really gone in a very specific oof. direction <laughs> like the, the, the last number of years. And I and I look I. Maybe this is, you know, and there is a flight from San Francisco happening right now, and it's it's obviously the most wealthy and movable who are fleeing. So we'll see what impact that has. But I think over time, um, the fact that those of us who are in this industry of tech are able to do more of their work from almost anywhere, we're going to say, I think there's going to be a serious shift in where people are living and where they're spending their time. And I mean, we're building 776 to be fully remote from day one. Most of the companies we're getting pitched are either at, they're either flex where there's a few of them in the same space and they get together like once a week or they're fully remote from day one. 
Um, I, I hope that one nice outcome here is it's going to mean just that broader geographic diversity of where people are is going to mean that like, you'll get done with your meeting, you'll go out and I don't know, you'll be on a farm in Wyoming and you'll go down to main street and you know, it's a population 5,000 cause you just like the mountains and you hate, you hate just city life. Um, and you'll just have different conversations at the cafe. Um, you'll have a different community that you live in and engage in. And, and I hope that means a healthier, we'll see, but I hope that means healthier orgs, um, because we're sort of getting exposed to more ideas. And I mean, that was the, the other thing that I really enjoy is that you're such a not politician that like, when you get in the, the semi, with the truck driver and talk about what he's excited about or what he's hopeful about or what he's afraid of and what he thinks of automation, et cetera. It doesn't feel like a politician pandering. It, it, it actually looks and feels like a human being genuinely interested in another human's way of life, even if it's let's, totally foreign. And I am genuinely more. interested. Like yeah. I genuinely, genuinely do want to I mean. know. <laughs> and, it, and it shows. And that's, and I think that is, if there's any reason or if there's any way that, uh, I think, I mean, you haven't, you haven't plumbed the depths of DC, but I don't think it'll, I don't think it will change you when you're president. Um, I think I I'm a little bit too, at this point, fully formed to like show up there and start drinking the DC Kool-Aid. Right? <laughs> Being like, oh, this steakhouse is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I don't even know how the DC, uh, uh, you know, like uh, repartee goes. Dude, they weren't they weren't supposed and I it's so dangerous to go back to like founding father's intention, but I feel good about this one. Like this wasn't designed to be a lifetime appointment. It wasn't no. designed to be a career. It was designed to be service. It was designed to be, okay, like I'll leave my family and I'll go up here and we'll do this work because it's really important for my community. And it's not like, oh, this is what I'll do for the rest of my life. And I that whether it's term limits, whatever, like there there's something has to change there. Term limits. Right, because that that it is it is clearly. It's I've got a master plan too, Alexis. My plan yeah. is to say term limits, but current legislators are exempt, uh, and then they'll be like, okay, and then no skin off their back, and then yeah. you know eventually they get grandfathered down. Like that's master plan. Oh, so that's uh, anyway, I've got <laughs> I've got I've got a few master plans trying to uh, make make some good things happen. It would be it would be a boss move though for someone to run for senate or the house maybe they have and explicitly say one of the things they're running on is term limits there there have been a few people who've come out for it there were maybe a dozen members of congress uh including beto who i'm friends with uh like kate came out for term limits i I think uh rokana maybe for them he's your not yours but um silicon valley's uh, area yeah don't equate me with silicon valley andrew I'm a proud Floridian. <laughs> so, hey, people watching this, when you yes. see the news story, it says Florida man, it's Alexis. <laughs> you, do you know the reason why that's a meme? Um, just because there's always a news story? Oh, or no? <laughs> well, yes, that is true. But the reason why, and this is, I got to defend my state now. Um, Florida has these sunshine laws, cute name where all of the police records are made public. Oh, uh, so it's just transparency. Oh, who have a wealth of information. Now, yes, Florida is a very populous state, so there's just a lot more. There'd be a lot. There'd be a lot of strange fact patterns if you just took all the information and dumped it. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be true. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, yes, I will agree. It's a weird, weird state. 
that probably has crazier than average people like per capita the craziness is definitely higher in florida but it's not as high as florida man makes you believe because it's it's the sunshine act that makes all those public record look at that uh, uh, an entirely rational explanation for a phenomenon <laughs> we've all become somewhat it's familiar still, with again still a really weird state but uh it's not a, it's not a it's not a fair fight well alexis uh you make any place you go stronger better uh more human really great to reconnect with you and thank you for being one of the early champions of the yang dude any um, before before it, it was uh a thing really <laughs> whatever whatever you do andrew you've got well i see just about anything you do you have my cosign well thank you alexis uh you know i we need to yeah vice versa we need to try and solve some of these problems that you're uh and you're working on um that we we have to create these opportunities and you're one of the leaders in the space that's actually um seeing the problems for what they are so thank you uh hopefully we'll have a chance to spend some more time together